This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast detailing all things in the MCU. I'm Kyle Sconowell, he's Robbie Earl, Hey-o. and we are excited to be here today. Yeah, we Robbie, are. today is extra special. You know why? Why? Well, a couple reasons. One is that our podcast has officially gone international. You are in London today, aren't you? Oh, that is true. Man, it happened so quickly. We're really blowing up. <laughs> blowing up. We are <laughs> recording this across the pond, so that's kind of fun. It is fun. The second thing is, this is our first episode that we're going to be re-watching our first movie in the rewatch series. I've been very excited to have this conversation and to kind of start the rewatch journey, so today is a good one. I have been really pumped about it, too. I have to give a couple disclaimers before we get started. Okay. Um, this won't happen every time, but since it's our first one, you know, a couple disclaimers. First of all, I just want to say that we love these movies in general, okay? So anything critical said, it might have a critical tone, but know that I'm coming from the context of loving these movies. Okay. Okay. I hear you. Secondly, I think how you watch these movies obviously affects your experience and overall takeaway. Right. So like, for example, like when I watched Avengers Endgame on opening night, our audience was literally cheering at points. It's hard to not let that get you going. Right. When you hear that. So that affects it. Right. Well, I got to say, I got my system dialed in Rob. I officially have a (laughs) 70-inch 4K TV, turn my lights all out. I have surround sound, cranked the audio. My wife was upstairs. So re-watching this movie, I gave it the full full experience, Uh, and I love it. I love that. I love that. And it makes me a little sad inside because I am in London, and so uh, I'm watching, was watching this on my less than 70-inch laptop (laughs) screen. (laughs) More like seven. Right, right. So. Okay, so today we're starting with Captain America, the first Avenger, which is a little unique. Why are we starting with this movie? Captain America, the first Avenger, I think is a perfect place to start. I know it's kind of controversial because a lot of people would assume Iron Man. Obviously, Iron Man is at the heart of the MCU, but I think in a very real way that Captain America is the heart of the MCU, uh, kind of literally. And I think that we get that nowhere more so than in Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, so, okay, Kyle, you know, this is one of my favorites. It was released July, 2011. Uh, it was directed by Joe Johnston. Interesting. Joe Johnston is the only Academy Award winner to have directed a Marvel film. Oh, really? Really? Um, Johnston, other films include The Rocketeer, Jumanji, October Sky, uh, Jurassic Park 3, randomly, Hidalgo, uh, and The Wolfman. 
the Academy Award that he did win was for Raiders of the Lost Ark, and oh, he, wow. he won Best Visual Effects. Wow. So here's the interesting thing about Joe Johnson. He actually got his start working with George Lucas, not with Raiders of the Lost Ark, but with Star Wars, actually. And this is kind of crazy. He is credited with the final character designs for both Boba Fett and Yoda. Oh, that's so dope. I did not know this stuff. How about that? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is amazing. Other interesting thing about Captain America, the first adventure, before we get into it, it was written by two fellas, Christopher Marcus and Steve McFeely. They're the writers of a film called Avengers Endgame. Yes. That is crazy. So they did our first movie that we're rewatching and the last. Right, which I think actually says something about why I think it makes sense to start here, even tonally. Um, I, I do think that you could, looking back from Endgame, see how they have their own kind of narrative that they have you know, been weaving through the movies that they've gotten to write on, which right. they've written a, a handful, um, a decent amount of the MCU films and a lot of my favorite MCU films. So all of this to say, uh, this movie has a lot going for it in right. my book. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so before we get started, I just got to say, there are a lot of movies in the MCU that Robbie and I 100% agree on, but it just so happens that using this rewatch order, there are actually a few movies right off the bat that we don't agree on, specifically that I'm not going to rate as highly as you. So that right. may make for some interesting uh, critique of this early on, but I just have to say that. Eventually, we will get to some movies that we 100% agree on, no doubt. Right. Right. I know you love this movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives this movie 80% critic score and 74% audience score. So I think let's just start real quick with what works. Like, what is good about this movie? And I can start. I think one of the things that really works in this movie is uh -huh. the acting in general, Rob. I don't know that I can say that about every Marvel movie. Yeah. But across the board, I felt like the dialogue and acting just works. Specifically, to me, Tommy Lee Jones, Chris Evans, and Haley Atwell. Right. Something about it. It's just well acted. It's a well acted film. Right, right. It's funny that you point out Tommy Lee Jones because uh, Joe Johnson has actually said that his favorite scene from this film is the one with Tommy Lee Jones and Toby Jones, who plays uh, Arnold Zola. Yeah, yeah, the steak scene. Uh, right after I wrote Zola's that down. In, in let's, I specifically took that note that the steak scene was one of my favorite scenes. That's funny. That is funny. I mean, yeah, but it, it's you're right. It's great. It's a great character. It's a character that only shows up in this one movie, but I think that it works. Also. I didn't point him out earlier, but the German doctor, I think his name is Stanley Tucci. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I love him. And I just now realized when I was Googling it that he actually plays Caesar from the Hunger Games. They go, the 25th right. Hunger Games. Right. I didn't know that was him. <laughs> that is so him. that makes me so happy. Yeah, no, I, it's he's another super random inclusion in this movie that I think works super well. He's really endearing. It It's like a perfect kind of semi-father figure for Steve there at the beginning. Um I love well, it. and specifically with him, one of my favorite scenes um, in the movie besides the steak scene is the, uh, I think it's whiskey where they're going to drink scene, where he explains right before the surgery why he chose 
right, Cap right. to be Captain America. Right. And then he also makes the joke about, okay, we'll save the drink for tomorrow. I don't need to save it. I'm not I'm not going to surgery. You know what I'm talking right, about? Right, right. No, that's I love one that. of my other yeah. favorite scenes. No, it's great. Okay, so that's another thing I think that works. Yeah, um, I, I do think f- it's fair to say, um, while we're talking about acting, um, it, if you, it sounds like you're about to move on. I, I think that Chris Evans just does such a ridiculously good job in this movie. And I, I know that that's a kind of a given at this point, but I remember when he was cast for this being very doubtful because we had all seen him in right. Fantastic Four as Human Torch and in like a bunch of other kind of dumb teenish movies where he was always sort of supposed to be the douchey guy. And he like reportedly turned this role down like four times. It's or true. something like yeah, that. Yeah, I I've I had read in, in an interview earlier this year, um I think he was not interested at all. And I think basically Kevin Feige kind of laid out what he thought the character arc would end up looking like very broadly. And he was intrigued enough to to kind of step into it. But but that to me is even again impressive because I think what that tells me that he wasn't necessarily interested in the Captain America of, you know, the quote unquote golden age, like doing the mm. the whole forties thing. But man, he he does it so well in reading these interviews and listening to the film commentary, kind of hearing Johnston talk about Chris Evans, he's got so much admiration for him and for for his performance. I mean, because he even he even says he just knew really nothing of his body of work, so he had no idea what to expect. I mean, the casting decision was not really his, so he didn't really know how well it was going to work out. And he talks mm. about how it was just this amazing, he, he brought all of these layers to the role. And I think that's the thing that people a lot of the times, or, or for the longest time, I, I think since some of the later movies this has been dispelled, but I would never hear people ever really talk about Chris Evans as a great actor within the MCU in the same way oh they would like gosh. Robert Downey Jr. I love that you're saying this right now because I was literally going to chime in with that exact point. I was just going to say, <laughs> you know, I don't typically think of Chris Evans as, as like killing his role. I don't ever think he's bad, but like that's not like something that sticks out in my head. Right. So, but you're right. When I think about it, it's like, yeah, he did a perfect job with this stuff. I mean, so I'm, I really appreciate you saying that. You no, know, I, I think what, what's interesting about it is, in some ways, it's so much easier to. I, I, I'm not. This is not me dogging Robert Downey Jr. Obviously, because I think he does an incredible job. But I think the the prototypical Marvel hero is very quippy now. It's all about being funny. It's all about being snappy. And I think that that's a much easier role to play in some ways. Then it's hard to be the guy that does like the do-gooder. Yeah, yeah, in a way that people don't just roll their eyes at, especially like these days. And I think that one one of the things that Joe Johnson talks about with this movie in general, and we can get into this maybe a bit a bit later, is just how it's a very uncynical movie. It's it's very sincere. It's very earnest. And Chris Evans leans into that, but also just adds this like this great subtlety to the way he plays the character that really like I mean if you look at these comics from the from the 30s and 40s it's not a layered character right I mean it's just this it's it's Captain America he's a guy with star spangled outfit and a shield and he's fighting Nazis and it's like it's not there's not a lot of complexity there but he adds this this something that makes it super compelling and makes you care about him really apart from kind of his heroics well, I think every fan almost has like a bias, I would say, toward Tony or Cap. 
have you ever sensed that? Like maybe it's because of Civil War or because they're so different. Everyone's kind of got a leaning, and I've always leaned Iron Man. So for me, in general, I don't ever connect with Captain America as much, but that's one of the reasons I'm really excited to talk about this episode with you is because talking with you brings out points that I didn't catch because I was not leaning that way, if that makes sense. Right. So like, like I said, appreciating his acting is one thing that I'm getting more into. So my other like overall big takeaway about what works is how obviously like foundational and foreshadowing this movie is to the rest of the world. Right. Um, and we can get into that a little bit later, but right. that's one of my other favorite things about this is now in hindsight, knowing so much about cap, there's so much they bring in. That's going to be a huge deal later, you know? Right. So that's my other thing. So but my, my, my big good is that the acting and dialogue works a lot. And I have a lot of specific scenes. I love that. I'll just kind of quickly shoot off. Yeah. Give them to me. But well, I love the steak scene. Like we talked about, I uh-huh. think Tommy Lee Jones is, is funny and, Amazing. He does a really good job with this. One of my favorite lines he says is uh, when he says, if you have something to say, now is the perfect time to keep it to yourself. Right, Do you know what right. I'm talking about? Yeah, I love that scene. That's a great scene. That's right when when Steve's about to turn around and go disobey orders for the first time, right. which I think is a cool um, tie-in. Yep. Um, I love the line when, uh, I can't remember his name, but he says, I'm from Fresno, Ace, when they yeah. say... What he says, oh, you're, we're taking everybody now? Right, right. I'm from Fresno. <laughs> great line. <laughs> yep. Great scene. Um, and then my wife thinks maybe the best line of the whole movie is when the Hydra agent throws the kid in the water. And you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. The kid goes, go get him. Don't worry, I can swim. Right. I love I that. I love that line. I love that. <laughs> oh, and, and uh, the flag scene is really great. You know what I'm talking right. about when he has to take yes. the flag. Yes. Okay. Down. I'm glad you said that. That was what, that was going to be one of my favorite scenes. Also, that that's actually interesting. Again, I'm sorry for jumping in with all the the director commentary here, um, but the flagpole scene was not in the original screenplay actually, um, and they added it after I think almost everything else had been filmed uh, because they realized that they needed to show that Steve was clever. What? I was going to say, I want to pause you right there because I was going to say, my guess to why they didn't include it is because that scene, in a way, almost feels like out of character for him at that point because everything is always like, cut the wire, fall on the grenade, do all the things. And then here comes a scene where like, he technically follows the rules but kind of cheats the system. So I thought that was unique. That's what was notable about it to me. Yeah, and I think that 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 scene in a lot of ways – foreshadows kind of the version of Cap that we get right. in later films. And I, I like it in that way. But I, I do like, you know, hearing Joe Johnston's reasoning of not wanting him to be just this kind of good-hearted but kind of airheaded soldier, but rather a guy that that is actually kind of clever and funny in his own way. It's kind of like a post-shield uh, Cap, if you will. Yeah, yeah a little. For like, a second. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, so I, I guess I do like that they included that, but I just took a note that that's, that scene was great, but it stood out to me as you know, uncharacteristic at that point. Right. Um, I also love, I feel like they got the time period stuff correct. So that's another one of my goods about the movie. Right. Not only historical time period with the World War II vibe stuff, right. which I think looks cool, 
Um, but also the time period stuff in the Marvel universe, like the ties into Howard Stark and the Stark Expo. Like it's fun to right. see the Stark Expo from like the forties, you know, right. and it's Tony's dad doing it. It kind of also gives you a layer to Tony that we're going to get later. Right. You know what I mean? Like it fills in that gap a little bit, right. which is kind of fun. And there's always a little bit of a contentious thing between Tony and Cap. Right. And some of that comes from his dad's obsession with Cap. So this that's a fun uh, tie-in foreshadowing thing. Which you kind of see a little bit at the very end of the film when you see kind of that look in Howard Stark's eyes when he is obsessively searching for Cap after the ship's gone down. Right. So what else am I missing, Robbie, about this movie that you love? Oh, man, are you ready? You're going to have to put me on a timer here. Well, just keep it, keep it, you know, <laughs> reasonable. Okay, so here I think for me it's one it's one kind of broad point and that this is a movie that I think had a lot of challenges. Um some of which you'll probably point out later. Um but <laughs> but but I th- I think that if, you know, this is one on paper that especially when it was made, again, we've kind of talked about this before, you had had Iron Man worked really well. Hulk, not as well. Iron Man 2, not as well. Thor, eh. And then, so then, like, all of this, the only thing that's really worked has been the one that's, like, you know, this kind of fun, modern, just genius guy that builds this cool suit. Like, whenever you get into anything kind of hokey at that point, it just wasn't seeming to work that well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they had a huge task ahead of them, just in general, but I think also... The fact that, again, like what I was getting to earlier, this is just a very dated character, obviously. Like the comics right. that, that this movie specifically is based on. I mean, interestingly enough, I, I, don't, I know that you don't know a ton about the, the comic side of all this, but the Winter Soldier and Civil War storylines are both based on uh, comics that have come out since like 2005. Oh, like really new stuff. Yeah, pretty new stuff. And I think that that was by design because most of the big cap arcs from back in the day just don't really make sense now. And I think that those obviously do. And to some extent, I mean, that's probably why those movies have been better received. But still, I think hearing Joe Johnston talk about why they wanted to do a full-on real origin story instead of just dropping them into modern times and kind of doing some flashbacks or something was because they really felt like that was the heart of the character and that they needed to capture that. And so I think signing up for that and just going hard, like you're saying, really doing the World War II era thing, but also really visually in a way that I think is sometimes misunderstood, I think visually capturing this kind of golden era comic book fun, where I think some people would look at the visual effects from this movie and say, oh, they're, they're kind of cheesy, like they're maybe too much. And I could totally see that. And it's so, so different from what you're going to get in later Cap films from the Russo brothers, obviously, who, you know, they have a much more modern approach. But I think that Joe Johnston, you know, he talks about a lot how he basically used Raiders of the Lost Ark as a template for this film, uh, how he really wanted it to kind of follow that, have that tone, which, again, kind of makes sense with, like, the Nazi scientists, you know, looking for, for ancient... Uh, treasures and and power and whatever, but also right, and they even make a Raiders of the Lost Ark type reference. Did you notice that in the very beginning of the movie? He says like um, Hugo Weaving says, 
Hitler is digging in the desert for right, 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 right. You know, treasures. Right. While he says that, which I thought was funny. Yeah, no. But I mean, now knowing the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing, that's even funnier to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I've read so many. You, you know, you can go Google it. There are a ton of articles online where Joe Johnson talks about how big that movie was for him in terms of um, just giving him a reference. And I think that that works really well because there's something that's just kind of it's a very classic, fun, like good versus evil kind of thing in a way that you don't see as much. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that he that he said that I think is totally true is he just wanted this movie to stand on its own in, in a way that actually Joe Johnson uh, kind of refused to be a part of any of the Avengers talks um, because he didn't want to know what was going to happen in that movie and what was going to happen to the character because he didn't want to make any choices in his film based around that film which i think is interesting and you you know you can okay, make arguments okay i got to pause well i love okay this is why i love why we're doing this because you're making these points that are very foundational to how you perceive this movie and it's good for me to hear because in some ways what you're basically saying is you appreciate the fact that this director set out with a goal and he achieved it now the difference is i don't like the goal Interesting. I, th- I, th- I think I connect more with a an Iron Man or even like a Dark Knight vibe that's a very gritty, darker, real-feeling story. But what's good for me to hear still in the good category is that you're right. Some of those visual things, the comic book things that you're talking about, I think he did that well, right. if that makes sense. I just don't prefer it. No, I think you're right. But I, but I, think, I think the reason why ultimately, and we can talk about this in more detail later, but I think why it was good and necessary and not just a preference thing is because so much of what makes Cap work later is the fact that he's now having to transition to a life where things are not as black and white and not as clear with good and evil. So I think if you didn't have the movie that was so like perfectly nostalgic in that way, then Winter Soldier would not be what Winter Soldier was. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes lots. That's what I'm saying. This is good for me to hear, right? But and, because I didn't, I didn't feel that way. But you're changing my mind a little bit. And so I, I just, I think every time I watch it, I'm, I'm really impressed by that point, by just like the, the tone. Again, kind of what I said earlier. I love how it's not at all cynical about itself. How it's just so earnest without really being cheesy. I mean, there are arguably a few cheesy moments that I think some of those are even intentional. But I think by and large. It's just like a you really love this character. You kind of fall in love with Steve Rogers. And I think a few other things that I love in terms of how they how they translated the comic books to this uh, to this movie in 2011. One, I, I really love the way they introduced the shield. I thought that was fun with the car oh, door. Oh, that's great. Yep. You know, because how else do you do that, right? And then I love that they took the, you know, they had the opportunity or made the opportunity for themselves by doing the whole kind of montage with the song where he has the very classic Captain America costume. Cause that is the original Captain America costume with the, you know, like the cloth wings and all that stuff. Well, by the way, with the shield, I actually took a note that one of the coolest, most foreshadowing moments was cap choosing that shield. It's just ironic, you know, that he chose the shield. Like he like reaches for it and like finds it right. Um, relative to only later, you know, not want it, and he's gonna want to give it up eventually. That's I thought yeah. that was kind of unique little twist. You know, I like that. No, I like that. Also, speaking of the shield, one thing that I thought was just interesting 
Um, not a good or bad thing, but um, Johnson also said that he intentionally limited the number of times we saw Cap throw the shield in the film because oh. he said he didn't want it to be overused. Okay, which interesting. I, which I kind of, you know, I appreciate that. Um, I um, You're going to get a lot of shield throws from Cap throughout the next 15 years. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I like that. I think, um, well, one thing, as we are talking about kind of the montage with that original Cap um, costume, you know, where he's selling the war bonds. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but that song was written by Alan Minken. Um, oh. Who, you know, wrote like Little Mermaid and, and Aladdin music. There you go. There you go. It's kind of fun. Um, but, um, that is random. Right? Um, well, you know I love Aladdin and Little Mermaid. Well, if you don't know, I am obsessed with those movies, so <laughs> that's a good fit. No, I mean, I think it's it's great, and I actually have always really thought that, that was a, it, that's a fun sequence, and it's a good way for them to kind of, again, get him to where he needs to be. And I also love the transition from that to the whenever he's doing the same show for the soldiers that have just been you know, destroyed in this battle. Like I, I, that's another, there's a, anyway, obviously there's a ton that I love about this. I think the last thing that I'll say, um, Alan Silvestri, man, the music in this movie is so good. And it, and it, and it's, you know, there's a quote, last quote, I promise from Joe Johnston. Um, it's very classic feel. Yes. He says, Alan Silvestri really provided the glue that holds all of this together. And I think that that's exactly true. I think one thing, in some ways, one, one of the best things about this movie is the theme for Cap. Like, because if you think about it, yeah, there's not another, until Avengers, which is also Alan Silvestri, um, we do not have another prominent MCU hero theme. You don't have the same kind of memorable theme from Thor. I mean, his theme kind of changes that movie by movie. Obviously, you don't have one for for the Hulk. And again, even for Iron Man, later you have, you know, some they, they start moving into some great themes for Doctor Strange and Ant-Man and Black Panther. But I think that for the longest time, you just you did not have yep. music of this caliber. So I know that I'm 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 waxing poetic about it, but I just think that <laughs> I think that it's worth saying that the kind of the musical roots that began here are are really impressive. I really kind of want to get into what didn't work and okay. the bad because Let's I, do it. I know we disagree. So there's going to be stuff of me saying things and then I want to see if you can admit any of them or <laughs> if you can refute. Okay, okay. But let's go. I think it's better to stay big picture, okay? Cuz there's little things, right? But the big picture for me is the visuals. Like, why did they have to make Steve so small? Now, I understand that they want to prove the point that he turns from little guy to big guy, but they make him almost, like, comically small. Like, there's a couple scenes, like, specifically when he's riding in the car with Peggy. Right. He looks, like, comically small. It just doesn't look good to me. Also, from the time that Captain America starts, like, fighting as Captain America, and we talked about this already, but it's obviously like like comic book to me perceived as cheesy visuals like him jumping off the tank and right. him throwing the shield and to me those visuals maybe it's because it just feels so foreign to me you know to see coming from like an iron man movie where the visuals are trying to be as realistic as possible right maybe it's just foreign to me to see this like comic book uh you know, feel good arc visuals thrown out there. Maybe that's why, but the visuals in general to me are very distracting. Like 
it, yeah. it, it makes me not able to put the movie higher. Now, I will say on the positive side, I used to just view this movie entirely in my head like as like, oh, it's just not good. Like, I used to think, oh, the whole huh. movie, there's right. nothing about it. On the rewatch, I realized, dude, it's not the acting and it's not the dialogue that make me feel negatively about this movie because I really like that and I like the characters. So it's the visuals, I think, for the most part that bother me. I'll stop waxing poetic about what I don't like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Right. That's where I'm at with it. Okay, so it's it's interesting, and I feel like I, I say this all the time now, but this is one of those things that I remember initially watching this and um, – the small Steve thing was very distracting for me, and I thought it looked really bad for whatever reason. Good. It, 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 yeah, so I can say that. And I remember even saying that in the trailers and being like, oh man, I hope that they can like clean this up by the time the film actually comes out, and they didn't. But I, I think that for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me as much now. Um, you know, I was watching it, and my wife was there, and, and she was actually. You know, she was like, oh, man, that's crazy. How do they make him look like that? So, I mean, for her, she was kind of impressed by it, which I thought was interesting. By the way, I, I read about how they pulled it off, which is crazy. So I am impressed by that as well. Did you read that? I didn't, actually. Real quick side note. Apparently, with all the scenes with Small Steve, they had to film it four times. They'd film a scene of all of them together. They'd film a scene with everybody except for Steve in it. Then they'd film a scene with Steve by himself so they could CGI small Steve into this scene with the other people and they would have to have him wear like one of those things where the characters knew to look down at his chest right because that's where his eyes were going to be that kind of thing so I do think it's impressive that they tried it but it still looks funny to me can't can't lie that's fair that's fair I, I, I do think so I hear you because I remember thinking that for whatever reason it doesn't bother me as much anymore. Actually, I feel like I was on the same page with you visual like with on, with the visuals in general until recent years. I mean, like I said, I think uh last episode I used to not be as big of a fan of this movie as I am now, and it's really really grown on me over the years. And some movies have have gone the opposite direction. So it's not that that always happens, but this is one that well, I just think I I all of that, as I've kind of realized, like what I was just saying, that that all of that serves a purpose and is intentional. Well, and like I said, you you are convincing me a little bit, but like a perfect example of what I'm talking about is Red Skull in general. To somebody like my brother who doesn't know anything about comics or watch these movies, right? When he sees it, he thinks it's stupid and like funny. It's like a joke to him how cheesy Red Skull looks. And I kind of agree. Like, it doesn't look good. You could have made a guy that was, like, really gritty and, like, a grotesque face, not just a guy that looks like he's wearing, like, a plastic mask, like, from Jim Carrey's movie. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, that's I interesting. That's a good but point. But I understand, like, it, it, it looks comic-y, if that makes sense. Right. It looks like a comic book. Right. So I get why now. But I just don't think I would have chosen that. But I am gaining an appreciation for why they're doing it as you talk. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you you make a good point. And I think, actually, one thing we'll, we'll have to talk about with a lot of these movies is Marvel has historically struggled a good bit with finding villains of the right. same caliber as their heroes. And I think that, that we see that. We see that here. I think that the only villain that we didn't see that with for the longest time was was Loki, and we'll get there soon. But I think, you know, in some ways it works really well. I think they had to go Red Skull because that is the classic Captain America 
villain. I think they they you know got away from it as soon as they could once they could move into some of the more modern stories. But I I do think it worked really well for the kind of like you know to the degree that Captain America represents the you know the Allied powers. I, I think it makes sense to have kind of his counterpart on the the Nazi side. I think you're right that it, they could have made it a little grittier, a little bit more like Heath Ledger Joker. I just don't think it would have fit the tone. So one of the things is visuals. That's one thing that throws me off. The second thing I want to hear about what you already just said was the villain struggle in general. And this one is not very down to earth and does not have a ton of background. All we, I mean, all we know is guy wants to take over world infatuated power. That, right. that storyline for villains is tired to me. Like right. I don't need more guys trying to take over the world. So I'd rather a villain like Spider-Man homecoming right. where it's a guy just trying to provide for his family that has different views on things. Yeah. And that's why I love Thanos. But yeah. this is one of those that would fall into bad villain category to me where you didn't give us much. Okay. And I, and I, you responded to that. So I got one more thing I want to say. Right. Um, and I hate saying this. This is almost like sacrilegious for some reason. Why don't Bucky and caps chemistry? Why don't I connect with it? Oh, I wrestled with I I wrestled with this all night last night, and I talked to my wife about it. <laughs> I there's something, it's not bad, okay? It's not bad. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't get this. Like, I just don't have this unbelievable connection with it. So, like, if Tony and Pepper are like my pinnacle of chemistry, right? This is like way down the scale, and I can't figure out why. Part of me thinks is it because we actually really don't get much Bucky and Cap time ever. Think about this. Right. You really get the scene of them at the fair, the World's Fair, and then Bucky goes away, and Bucky goes away, and the next time he finds him, he's already um, been, like, you know, tortured and whatever. Right. And, is, and so you really don't get a ton of, like, pre-background Bucky and Cap. Now, let me say one more thing. I think this relationship, in my opinion, gets better as we go on because they're able to give us more of that background in other movies, which is they'll do yeah. flashbacks, right? And right. they'll do That's what I was going to say. And once he becomes post Winter Soldier, sorry, sorry, post like uh, you know, disease the brain Winter Soldier, right? You start getting this relationship, and I start feeling it more. But if you were basing it off this movie alone, I just don't buy it. Like his death is not a moving thing to me. They just two things Marvel doesn't ever do very well: villains and deaths. Mm. until a lot later. Right. But his death, I don't buy it, and I think it's because I just don't have the history with with him at this point. I don't have the emotional tie. So my, my massive takeaways is the visuals are not great, and I don't have the chemistry with Bucky, Cap, or really their team. Yeah, yeah, okay. I will say I, I don't feel the team thing very much. I've heard other folks comment that... Bucky and Cap's relationship in general through all of the films that they just don't care about it that it doesn't work that is one thing that that has not worked well at, and I would be closer MCU. to that category than you may like I may be a little closer to that category yeah I mean I think it's definitely a valid point I think it's interesting I, I don't think you can you can't compare Cap and Bucky to Tony and Pepper though right you have to compare no, I know, I to know, Tony I know. and Rhodey so then Okay, okay, that's ex- so then I was thinking about this. I was thinking, okay, well, what friendship has the MC- MCU done really well to even compare it to? And then I thought to myself, well, there's not that many. But there is something to be said that, like, for some reason, I feel more connected to Thor and Rocket 
right. from only like 30 minutes of screen time than I do Bucky and Cap. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, it's different. I think the circumstances around those characters being thrown together are different. Well, it's it, it's interesting because Cap and Buck's relationship is going to drive a lot of the upcoming films. Right. I mean, it's going to drive his decisions in Civil War, and so I would like to feel it more. And I and I feel that, but I think it I think it works. I think that like the death scene where you know, and then Cap sitting in the bar and drinking, and he can't get drunk because of his his metabolism and all that stuff. Like, I. I feel it, and I feel like that's a scene that resonates with me, and and even kind of the, I think some of the the tables turning. There's something that kind of pulls in my heartstrings where whenever you first meet Bucky, he's saving Steve from this bully in the alleyway, right? And then I think the last scene is is Bucky's trying to save Steve again, even though Steve's obviously the stronger one, and dies in the process or as far as we know at that time and i think there's something pretty moving about that i think that they have a they have a great relationship that i think does get a lot better in winter soldier even whenever you get it does get better but i i i I feel it in this movie i don't feel it maybe as much as i could you know i was watching this with having heard some of those criticisms recently from someone else and and i i do think that Part of it, part of it might be, I, I'm not sure Sebastian Stan has quite clicked into the character the way he does later. I still think that there are, you know, some of the scenes that they have, like in the bar with Peggy, where she's like flirting with Steve and not with Bucky. Like, I think I think they have some good moments. I just think it's not necessarily yeah. brilliant. But, I, but I'll also say, you know. Well, I also said it's not a train wreck. I didn't. It's not terrible. True, true. So I, I think we can agree there. Um, and, and there are other things in terms of Marvel friendships that we'll talk about kind of down the road, some thoughts that I that I have on kind of how they've approached that in general. Because you, you make a good point about that being a struggle sometimes. Yeah, we agree, but I fall on the scale a little bit closer towards I don't buy the relationship as much as you do. That's, that's fair to say. My last obvious, we have to talk about this, the ending is weak, dude. The no. ending, f- from the time that he jumps on the plane, it's weak. And oh, I, okay. explain I, I, to me why in the world can't he park Okay, turn the plane around. Try that. Try land it at least instead of just crashing it. Try land it. Or there's just so many things he could do. And I think, listen to me on this, Robbie, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I think Marvel's even aware of it because in the deleted scenes of Endgame, did you see this? I did see this. Yeah, like Rhodey makes a joke about it to him because I think that's them like tongue-in-cheek saying like, yeah, that's a little bit of a weak ending. That's what I think. Now, listen. Red Skull using the Tesseract and being sucked into space is dope because it's going to be a huge tie-in. But right. the plane stuff, come on, Rob. Okay, listen, I this one I'm going to fight you on. Turn the plane around. Okay, okay. Not not about the logistics of the end there. I think that if you went into that, I mean, if you talked to the writers, they would probably have their own answer to it. And that's something that I can, I can look into and, and we can report back on a future episode. But I do think you're right, and that, and I like that scene in Endgame. In the same way that you know, I, I think sometimes it's good to go back, like the same way they do in in um in like Rogue One, whenever they kind of go back and and like close up some of the loops from. Um, Please at least acknowledge the logistics are a little wonky. The logistics. The, lo- the logistics are wonky. I mean, it, it would seem that he could have he could have jumped out at the least, right? Right, crash the plane and then jump out. Although the the reason why I'm totally fine with, with overlooking any logistical issues here, which probably do exist, is I me. 
love the end of the movie. I love the way it plays out. And I think that that scene with him and Haley Atwell is just super moving and literally makes me tear up every time I watch it. I think oh, it's one of the most gosh. moving scenes in the MCU. I love it, Kyle. No, no, Rob. That's Hold on, hold on. This is prisoner of the moment type stuff right here. <laughs> one of the best scenes, moving scenes in the MCU? For me, it is, it is. And, and here's the thing. If you, to the degree that you disagree with that, I feel like, you don't like, I'm not saying people don't have license to disagree with that. Cause I, I can understand why people would think it was dramatic, but my Here point is like, my point is that that thread is all the way to the, to the end of Endgame, literally to the last scene of Endgame. is it's this I, idea that it matters so much for cap to get back to Peggy. And I think if there's one moment in the entire movie where we're supposed to learn that, Oh, he actually really cared about Peggy. It's in that moment. And I think you pull that moment out then I think, like, what is the significance of the final scene in Endgame? Well, in- okay, interesting. Hear me out on this. I don't want to pull that moment out. I- I- I'm really mainly joking about the logistics of the ending, hence right. the tongue-in-cheek thing. But, no, I-, I think Haley Atwell is great in the movie, and I do think that it- to the degree I don't buy the-, the Cap and Bucky thing, I do buy the Cap and Peggy thing. And so I do like okay. that being a thread all the way throughout. So I- I'm kind of just joking around with you. I do like their relationship as a whole. And it needs to be in there, no doubt. Because, okay. Okay. you know, post that moment, he never feels at home again. Right. 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 So I did write under my what's foundational about this movie. That's one of the things I wrote was all the dancing references. Obviously, right. it's going to be so foreshadowing. But that being a thread that goes all the way to the end, I appreciate. So I'm backing off, back you off a ledge here a little bit. Okay, I appreciate I, that. I appreciate I'll put, I'll put my weapons down. The, the, <laughs> put your guns down. The the logistics of it just bother me. The logistics. I I will no. I will I will totally. You're you're fair there. I I just think that. I the reason why I say this is I again I feel like I remember watching this movie kind of half heartedly the first time and thinking it was all kind of maybe cheesy and sort of like reminiscent of that of like the Pearl Harbor movie that had come out like ten years before and I was like ah oh, whatever and then I think. I remember going back and watching it for the first time years later and really getting like kind of choked up. And I just think that there's something I think, and, it, and it's not so much, I mean, the writing's fine. The writing's pretty good, but I think the performances there by Chris Evans and Haley Atwell are just really, really great. And it's another example of a moment that maybe some people think is cheesy. I think certainly could have been much cheesier that I think that they act with a lot of subtlety and in a way that I, I think makes me actually feel it. And I think, by extension, the actual end end of the film, where Steve's in Times Square and meeting Nick Fury, and, you know, his last line is, I had a date. Right. And he's kind of looking just kind of, you well, know. Well, they play into it a lot, for sure. Right. And I think that, you know, there's a, another line I lied earlier when I said I was done quoting Joe Johnston. There's another line that I, I really liked that he said um, that it says a lot about Cap and how he feels about Peggy. He says the only thing he cares about after being frozen for 70 years is what he could have had with Peggy Carter. Yeah, true. And, and I think that the idea, one, I mean, in terms of moving forward, I mean, that's that's huge. And you see right. that come up over and over again, but especially right, right, right. especially for Endgame. But I just think also what I love, uh, kind of aside from just the, the Stephen Peggy element, I love the way this movie ends. Like, the fact that it ends with this, like, it's kind of somber. There's not, 
I mean, think about another movie, another MCU film that ended on that note, especially from this early era where it's like yeah. there is no, there's a happy Infinity ending in that he, right? I mean, yeah, no, it's true. It's like I mean, arguably, Civil War is similar. Yeah, I, I mean, he like beat the bad guy, but it's like he he lost his whole life and everybody he cared about, and they just kind of you have to sit in that. That's and true, I, and I like that a lot. Yes, I with what you're saying now, I agree. It ends on kind of a somber note, and that's that is kind of a nice twist, a nice addition to the MCU. One thing that's interesting is to look at these films, um, not so much solely within the not so much within the 23 film arc, but within like the, you know, three, four, whatever movie arc of each character. And I think Cap is kind of what I was alluding to earlier is one of the ones that's really fun to do that with, because I think obviously he's a big part of all the Avengers films, but also he just has a brilliant trilogy. And I think that I, I, I love the note that this movie ends on where it's it's kind of dark and I think the next two cat like the the cat movies just get progressively darker. Right. What else was foundational to this film that you took away? Some of my other notes, right? Okay. The Tesseract is obviously right. going to be very foundational and so for anyone who hasn't watched these movies before, pay attention to the Tesseract. Right. Um there's a lot of references from this movie in later movies. Right. Even Take, even lines of I can do this all day or you're taking all the stupid with you, you right, know, all right. those kinds of things. And even I think it's interesting, you know, you get an attempt. It's it's not it's not like especially strong, but you know, this the Tesseract is tied in to to Odin's treasure room and so you kind of get early on here the, and this is one of the reasons why I really like starting with this movie is this movie came out after Thor originally. So at the time, people were like, oh, Thor, you know, Odin's treasure room. We, we know about that because we just saw that movie. I think it's kind of cooler to hear it here. And so you hear about Thor and Odin for the first time as gods, as mythical beings, before you ever learn that they are actually... Right, that's true. ...existing, you know, which I think is kind of cool because then once we get to Thor down the road... It's it's like there's some in the back of our minds, you know, if we've been listening closely, this will like ping Captain America. And then obviously like Captain America's relationship with Peggy and Captain America's relationship with Bucky is obviously going to be very foundational. So that's kind of what I took away from the movie. Okay, so now we are getting to the big moment, Robbie. Are you ready for this? This oh, is okay. I'm gonna give you uh seven Overall, really fast bullet points in summary, okay. and then I will reveal my score. I do not know your score. You do not know mine. So this will right. be fun for us. Overall, this is what I wrote. Acting is great. Dialogue is good, especially Jones and Evans, but really good performances all around. The visuals are below average to me, especially from the time that Steve starts fighting to the end. Bucky and Cap, their chemistry isn't perfect, but it's obviously a foundational movie for many reasons, and the logistics of the ending are weak. <laughs> Fair. So, Rotten Tomatoes gives it 80%. Critics, 74% audience. I had originally, when I did this ranking years ago, gave it a 72. I remembered the movie being all bad, and, and it's not all bad. There's a lot of things I do like about it. So I am moving it up a little bit, but not much. I cannot move it above some of these other movies. So I am giving it a 75%. Okay. Okay. So not, not a disaster, not a disaster at all, but 
it's not better than a lot of other movies in this Marvel universe to me. Right. So it's interesting uh, before we get to rankings, and you know, we'll talk about this some, but there are so many ways to rank these movies. And so sometimes I find myself ranking them objectively, and sometimes I find myself ranking them in terms of what I just enjoy watching the most. And this is one that definitely gets a boost by just the fact that I personally enjoy it. Um, okay. Even though there might be some films below it on my list that that maybe the general public might enjoy more, but they're qu- they're quote unquote like objectively better. <laughs> right, 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 right. Potentially, okay. potentially. Um, okay. But yeah, bullet bullet points of what I love. Um, I love the tone. Uh, I love the heart of it. I love Chris Evans acting, especially. I love Haley Atwell, Tommy Lee Jones. Also, uh, I think Hugo Weaving is. Uh, uneven. I don't think he's bad. I, I think I've I've read in interviews that he struggled some with being shoehorned, and I and I feel that. Um, I think that your point about the logistics is fair. I think your point about Cap and Bucky maybe being able to have a stronger dynamic being fair, though I don't totally go there with you because I think that it does work. Um, and I will say that I I think the ending is again really moving and I, th- I think kind of my my final point on this is the way that it sets up Cap's character I mean from that grenade scene at the very beginning all the way through to what we'll see in Endgame I just think is is brilliant it starts one of my favorite arcs if not my favorite arc uh, in the MCU very effectively so coming into this I had Captain America the first adventure ranked at an 86 86 oh my and gosh I'm going to keep it there after okay. this last rewatch. You know what? And, 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 and to be fair, it's like I said earlier, I'm not necessarily saying that, that anybody would put it there. But for me, my overall ranking of the list right now, I have it as 13 out of 23. Okay, so Kyle, 75, Robbie, 86. I have a feeling that's going to be one of our biggest disparities in the MCU. And I think it's, you know, it's fair. Like I said, I think it's open to criticism. There are some that I have below that movie that I think you and I will, you would certainly put far, far above it. And so I'll be curious to talk about that down the line. I love it. Robbie, what is, what's next? What's our next movie for next week? Oh man. Okay. Speaking of controversial, our next film is Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Okay. Okay. We'll give you a longer explanation on why it's Captain Marvel next week. Right. I know it's I know everyone's hearing this and they're thinking it's crazy and I know that it's a big swing but I think it's right and I'll tell you why if you come back next week. So if you've never seen these movies before and you're rewatching with us, we have one caveat, right, which is pause the post-credit scene when you watch Captain Marvel. So if you're watching Captain Marvel this week to tune in next week, make sure you do not watch the post-credit scene. Is this correct, Robbie? I think this is fair if you have never seen these films before. If you've never seen it before, don't watch the post-credits scene. It won't make any sense. If you have seen the films before, I would say you're good, and I'll talk about why I think that it could actually work next episode. We hope you enjoyed listening to our breakdown of Captain America The First Avenger. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts or any questions you might have on social media. What did you feel like worked? What did you feel like didn't work? How did you like watching this movie first? Did you catch anything new now that you've seen Avengers Endgame? We'd love to hear from you. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook, all of them. And on all of the sites, we are at the FFW Podcast. And make sure to subscribe to us anywhere podcasts are found. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on Friends from Work. Friends from Work.